Hello, Florida Bar members and Florida registered paralegals. This is a quick reminder from the Standing Committee on Mental Health and Wellness of Florida Lawyers that you are approved to use the Florida Lawyers Helpline, a completely free and confidential around-the-clock helpline designed to support you in managing the challenges of both your personal and professional life. By dialing 833-FL1-WELL or 833-351-9355, you can connect with mental health professionals who are ready to assist you. Take advantage of up to five complimentary in-person or telehealth counseling sessions annually. And remember, there's no limit to the number of calls you can make. Reach out today. You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel. Produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. Welcome to the Florida Bar's Legal Field Podcast, brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm the director of the Practice Resource Center and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our studio in Tallahassee, Florida. And I'm Jamie Moore. I'm a practice management advisor at the Florida Bar and co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. So making the most of your time is probably at the top of your list if you're running a solo or small law firm. When you're managing both the business side of your firm while also practicing law, your, to, your to-do list may quickly become overwhelming. Reducing repetitive tasks, streamlining your processes, um, anything that can be made easier with legal technology. That's why choosing the right technology for your needs can be one of the most important decisions you will make. Uh, We receive many calls at the Practice Resource Center from bar members asking for recommendations on the best software for their practice. And on the surface, this question seems simple, but there are many challenges because no two lawyers run their practice in the same way. So joining us today to discuss practice management software and other technology trends is legal technology expert Bob Ambrosi. Bob Ambrosi is a lawyer and journalist who has been writing and speaking about legal technology and innovation for more than two decades. He writes the award-winning blog, Law Sites, is a columnist for Above the Law, hosts the podcast about legal innovation, Law Next, and hosts the weekly legal tech journalist roundtable, Legal Tech Week. He is also co-founder of the Law Next Technology Legal Technology Directory. In 2011, Bob was named to the inaugural Fast Case 50, honoring the law's smartest, most courageous innovators, techies, visionaries, and leaders. In 2017, he received the Yankee Quill Award for Journalism from the Academy of New England Journalists and was honored by the ABA Journal as the Legal Rebels Trailblazer. A graduate of Boston College Law School, Bob is a fellow of the College of Law Practice Management and past president of the Massachusetts Bar Foundation. In his law practice, he represents newspapers and the news media. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And just to be clear, I am not in Tallahassee, but I wish I was. <laughs> What's the temperature where you are? You know, it's not too bad. It's, well, it's like 35, but it's a sunny, <laughs> a sunny 35. It's a nice, warm, nice day. I'm going to go out for a walk later. Okay. Yeah. The sun is out. I'm okay. That, that would be rough for us here. Yes. We're like, yeah, I we, know. we don't want to leave our house if it's past yeah. 50. I'm, I'm heading down to Florida sometime this winter. 
Great. So, Bob, before we dive in and start discussing specific practice management software programs, I thought it would be helpful to talk about general questions that solo practitioners or small firms should be asking themselves um, before they start the whole software search. So what are some recommended guidelines that you would share with them? Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of the $100,000 question. Uh, I, I, get, I get so many emails from lawyers, solo and small firms saying, just tell me what practice management program should I use? I just want to know. I don't want to have to think about it. Uh, and the trouble is you do have to think about it a little bit because as, as you said in the intro, it, it, there's sort of no one size fits all here. There's no practice management platform that's right for every lawyer or every practice. Uh, so I, I, I think you, know, you need to start with uh, a little bit of self-assessment in terms of uh, what are you trying to do? You know, what is your practice? What what are your goals for your practice? What what's working? What's not working? Where do you need help? Um, what type of software are you already using in your practice? Uh, does it matter if it integrates or not with with your practice management platform? Uh, you know, I, I've been uh, I've been at this long enough to uh, to realize that there are a, a number of, of really good practice management platforms. They're, they're pretty much mostly in the cloud these days. Uh, and those that aren't in the cloud seem to be headed in that direction. Um, but there are differences among them. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you really kind of have to start by saying to yourself, uh, what is it I want to do? Uh, what am I already doing? What are the problems I have? And, and then and then kind of go from there. I mean, I can get into more detail, but let's let's start with that. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, and it's in this profession, um, there's even more consideration. So after an attorney has narrowed down a few practice management software platforms, they like, maybe they are ready to jump in. What questions should attorneys ask the software vendors? Well, again, the questions for the software vendors uh, are going to be, uh, you know, are, are you you mean kind of beyond beyond the obvious stuff in terms of what features and whatever else the the yeah the, yeah. Uh, so like if they like have, the yeah. features, yeah. they think it's going to work for them. But yeah, because yeah. you're an attorney, you you got to kind of you know, there's a right. few boxes you need to check. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, I mean. Uh, most importantly, uh, you want to know uh, about security. You want to know about what uh, uh, what kinds of uh, how how their how the data that you provide to this vendor is is stored, where it's stored, how it's uh, transmitted, whether the data is is uh, being encrypted uh, in transmission, whether it's uh, being securely stored in the cloud somewhere. Um, you want to know uh, whether whether and how you can get your data back. Uh, you may uh, decide you're gonna go with a particular vendor and uh, get started and go down that road and I don't know, a year later decide, eh, maybe this isn't the one I wanted after all and maybe I wanna move to this other platform. How easy is it to get all that stuff that you get, that you put up into that, uh, into that platform back? Because that's probably one of the biggest obstacles to either picking or switching uh, a practice management platform is just that that uh, the inertia some people feel about, oh, God, I don't want to have to go through that again. I'm finally set up on this platform uh, and I finally got all my client uh, contacts and all my kit matters and everything loaded in there and all my finances. I don't want to have to switch. So 
how do you get it back? What kind of format do you get it back in? Um, those are a couple of critical ones. You know, another, obviously, I, I hope it's obvious that another critical one is how, what do I know about this vendor's uh, stability as a business? Uh, how long are they going to be around? Uh, do I know, do I have some reason to believe they're going to be around? Um, you know, that's that's not always necessarily easy to know. We, we, we probably all remember the kind of the uh, uh, fiasco around uh, LexisNexis starting a, a, a practice management platform for solo and small firms um, that uh, they eventually had to shutter. It just wasn't gaining traction. Uh, I mean, you would think <laughs> LexisNexis would be a stable uh, uh, company that would uh, be launching a company, a, a product that would be around for a while, but it, it didn't happen in their case. Uh, um, so it's not always easy to know, but obviously, you know, there's like so much news being reported about funding and investments and consolidations among products in this industry. Um, and I think a lot of people say, oh, how do I care about that? And, uh, you know, the reason to care about that is that that gives you some indication of uh, what the financial stability is of this company. Uh, and how long it's going to be around, what kind of money it has to invest in development and support and all of that other stuff. Um, I think that's huge because like if, if you go to the ABA tech show in Chicago, um, if you, you know, I've been doing this for a number of years in the law firm and now at the law at the Florida bar, I am shocked at how many practice resource uh, vendors show up and I've never heard of them. And like, right. because, and I could see where an attorney would say, oh, well, the price point per user is lower and it looks pretty. Um, and then you find yourself in that situation. So a lot of times when we're talking about, you know, we have some, um, of, that are officially Florida Bar member benefits. So our members get yeah. a little bit of a discount. But, yeah. and so, you know, we have committees that do some research on that and they get asked those questions, you know, who are your investors? Are you, you know, cause you're right. They're, they're merging like the way banks used to merge for a while. They keep um, uh, consolidating and being bought out. Right. So that's a, that's a right. very good point. Yep. That's something I haven't even really thought about. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, uh, that's something I'm definitely going to bring up with our members. Um, and here's another question um, I'm just interested in what you uh, think about is what are some telltale signs that it's time for a solo practice to invest in new legal practice management software? And this is a question I actually get where members call and they're like, I've been using this program for 20 years. And it's like, you know, something I haven't heard of or it was something just specially crafted for them. But when when do you think it's it's a good it's time for them to move on? You know, it's always more difficult with, with, I think, with a solo than with almost any other size firm because, you know, there, some solos, I think, could make the argument they don't need any practice management platform, really. I mean, there there is, depending on the nature of your practice, you can uh, get by with uh, something that you've jury-rigged with uh, Outlook <laughs> and Excel and, and, and whatever else. Um, but but I, th I think the, the telltale, I, well, a couple of telltale signs. First... Uh, again, is, is your practice um, evolving or growing in such a way that uh, maybe you're, you're tied to a, just a, a purely on-premises solution that, 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 that is limiting your ability to either yourself to work virtually or to hire staff who wants to work virtually or in some hybrid way uh, or, or that limiting your 
uh, ability to offer features to your clients, such as uh, access to a client portal or electronic payments or, or that kind of thing that, that clients are coming to expect more and more. Uh, so I, I think that's that's one thing is simply you know are are you tied to a to a on premises solution that that just doesn't meet the needs of of the way the world works anymore, um, and uh, another a couple of other reasons, but one other is that there some of the other some of the practice management platforms that are out there now offer more customizability, if that's that's not a word, I guess, but uh, the ability to tailor the, the platform to the kind of practice you have. Um, and uh, that may be through integrations with third-party apps. I mean, you know, Clio is probably most, most well-known for having this sort of extensive uh, app store of, of uh, third-party integrations so that you can kind of start with a very basic practice management platform, but then through these uh, uh, third-party integrations, more or less tailor the platform to just about any other kind of practice you have. Um, uh, or you may have a practice that has that is in a particular uh, focus area of law for which an older uh, platform may not be... Um, the best option for you, uh, because there are also uh, now a number of practice management platforms, and, and there have been for a while, that are uh, uniquely suited to different types of law practice. I mean, there are uh, platforms that are tailored to bankruptcy practice or to immigration practice or to personal injury practice um, and uh, or, or intellectual property practice. So if your practice is in one of those areas, uh, you may be better served by switching to a more modern uh, application uh, that that that's tailored to what you do. Um, I think the other, I mean, the other <laughs> the other tip, the other tip off that it's time to switch is just if if you're if you're just not well organized. I mean, if you if you're, you know, we see so many solo and small firm lawyers who just. <sighs> They start to lose control of things. They they're they're not well organized. They 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 lose track of of cases or contacts or they're rifling around trying to you know where was that phone number or who was that uh, where was that note I made last week uh, on that case. Uh, and, and if you just feel like your practice is starting to get a little bit out of control, uh, even just a little bit, then it may be time to be thinking about a better a better platform. I think that's the big one because your practice is growing and basically you're stifling the growth that you could be experiencing if you were able to quickly do conflict checking, if, if you entered everything one time. And so for me, the tip off when I started here was the attorneys who would call us and they were still mourning the loss of WordPerfect. They hated Word. And I was like, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> and they're still calling, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I also, I love the people that will own up to it and call me back and say, I had no idea how much time I could save and this has changed my life. And that's, that's a real thing. If you don't have, even if you have support staff, you may be doing things manually in a way that's slowing you down and there's right. going to be mistakes made because if you're having to do duplicate entries, all those kind of things. So yeah, yeah, we, we really tried to get them on board. And I've had some attorneys say that they've just given work away because they're like, I just can't, you know, I just uh, can't do it and they don't want to. So I think, yeah, yeah absolutely look into those 
those well, options. and if you're a solo, I, I you, maybe you're so bogged down working that you you lose track. Yeah. The, the flip side of that is if you have partners trying to get everyone to agree on the same software package, right. um, can be a whole thing. So because it is right. a big commitment. No, but it, and I think you you just, you just hit on something important, which is a, a lot of the solos that I talk to, and, and I'm sure you talk to many many more than I ever do, but. They, they just don't have time to deal with. It's that problem of, of you get more and more in over your head and, and deeper and deeper into it. And, and you just don't have the time to stop and think, how do I get out of this? Uh, and that's, you know, I mean, that's where I guess put in a plug for you, yourself there. I mean, that's where a practice <laughs> management advisor can really be helpful, right? Yeah. I mean, somebody who just feels like they have to deal with this themselves. I mean, the other problem for solos and small firms compared to any other law firm uh, of any size is that they don't have that support staff. They don't have the IT right. staff in particular who can help them deal with this. And so they're they're either having to uh, bring in a consultant or do it themselves or or get or tap into their you know the the practice management uh, 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 options at their local bar association or state bar association. Um, and this is the first thing I tell a brand new attorney that's going to go out on their own. I say, don't wait. Like, I don't care if you only have four clients right now, go ahead, sign up for the one user practice management software, get it in now. If you, if you wait until you're bogged down, you've, you've got a bit of a little hill to climb to get back. Um, so it's so much easier from the beginning. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, and that brings us to our next question is, do you, what are your top software picks that would combine all of the tools needed by a solo firm? So if someone's just starting out and they're like, I just want to have everything ready for me, it has, it, you know, it has the time capture, maybe the billing and invoicing, document management, um, what, what are your, um, your top three picks? Uh, you're going to get me in trouble here by <laughs> yeah. naming names. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I hate naming names in a sense only because... Again, what you know, as I was saying earlier, it really so much depends on on the practice. Uh, it also depends just on kind of personal preferences in terms of user interface. Um, and I'm sure you you tell people this all the time, but it it there's there's something to be said for just going out and you know a lot of these platforms all offer free trials. Uh, Absolutely, and there's mm -hmm. something to be said for going out and either. Trying the free trial, or at least taking a good look at the the, the screen caps and videos and whatever else they have available, um, you know, on them. Uh, you know, we you mentioned I've got I've got we've got this legal tech directory that we started uh, on Law Next, and and we try and get vendors to contribute videos and screen caps and stuff, so you get a little sense of of the of the look and feel. It's it's hard to go in and really take advantage of a free trial because you then have to start loading your data into there right, to, right, to, to really get a sense really, of it. Uh -huh. um, so it, it's, it's hard to really do that, but, but you can, you can play around a little bit and a couple of, I think some of them even have, um, uh, I haven't checked this recently, but some of them even have like little sandboxes with some preloaded data, uh, mock data that you can go in and play around with. But I mean, you know, the, the big, the big ones are are the big ones for a reason. I mean, there, we, there's several ones out there that we all know of. I mean, Clio, uh, uh, Practice Panther, my case, uh, you know, uh, Rocket Matter has been around forever. Uh, Cosmolex, um, uh, you know, uh, Smokeball is another. I mean, they they all have kind of different. They're more or less the same, uh, and they're they're all getting to be more kind of soup to nuts in terms of what they offer. 
you know, the, the, the big difference, as I was alluding to earlier, is, is sometimes whether they're doing it directly or whether they're doing it through integrations with third parties. So again, Clio is one where it's kind of built its, you know, put its stake in the ground in sort of these third party integrations, although it continues to build up more and more of its own functionality as well. But, you know, Clio gives you the, the basics of, of everything you need in a practice management platform. But then when you want to bring in other features or functionality, you can go to their app store and, and plug that in. Whereas something like a, a my case is going to be uh, more focused on delivering, uh, you know, end to end from uh, from a CRM all the way through to uh, 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 billing and accounting and, and all of that. Uh, you know, Cosmolex is another one that's that that uh, has that sort of end to end uh, options. So, I mean, the nice thing about one of those is that uh, you're you're paying one price uh, and you're getting more or less everything you need as opposed to, uh, again, a Clio where you're paying for Clio, but then if you do need those third-party integrations, you're also paying the subscription for whatever those products happen to be. Yeah, um, and we're in the same boat. We don't want to get you yeah. in trouble. Oh, but yeah. that's what we're yeah. like. Yeah. We, yeah, so I, yeah, I'm like, Clio is like, has this huge market share, I said. But like, if somebody is saying to me, I want everything inside one, like my accounting and everything. So then I'll be like, well, Cosmolex has it built in. And then there's people yep. who say, I can't get away from my QuickBooks, you know. So yeah. you're right. You've got to go and you can click through at, at the Florida Bar website under member benefits. You can click through, see what the deal is, what the discount is. And they do have trials, but um, we'd love love Smokeball. I, I've had a, what I've seen of them over the years. I love them. Um, we had them do a demo recently. So tell us something that you, tell us something about Smokeball that is great. Well, I think the, the one thing that makes Smokeball distinctive is it's got this sort of automatic time capture built into it. Um, and uh, so it, it, it helps you, it just helps you capture lost time or, or time that you might otherwise have lost. And, and I mean, otherwise, I think it's, again, fairly, fairly similar to a lot of the other ones out there. Uh, but I think that's, it's one of its distinguishing features. And then there's a couple other things that come up, like, it'll be interesting, there'll be um, a uh, one of these practice management software and like you could use it as a solo or like say it's you and two support staff. And then some of them, like we looked at Leap, but then they had, I think it's Leap that got rid of their Leap. solo small firm. So then they, they wanted to move to more of the midsize. Is, am I getting that right? With Is that one of them? So you have to look at what is the minimum user uh, count required. Right. Yeah. I, and uh, I think what some of them won't, tell you and maybe I'll get get you in trouble for saying this but <laughs> I, I, I what I what I've have heard sort of off the record for some of these companies is that the solo market is really hard for them to support I uh, and I, because you know again the if you if you sign up a, if you're one of these companies and you sign up a firm of you know five lawyers and you know how five ten support staff whatever, uh, you know, then it's it's kind of worth your while to uh, help them with the, the various problems that come up from time to time. But they also have fewer support questions because they might have, you know, people internally they can tap into or, or have that kind of knowledge. Whereas with a solo, you get a lot more support questions. You're getting a lot less revenue from that one sale uh, and it's more difficult. So I do you do hear sometimes some of these practice management 
companies that started out focused on solos kind of starting to move away from solos. Yeah, That's too I mean, bad. Yeah, the business plan, you can see why that that happens. But it's it's definitely something you should look into. Because, I mean, everybody thinks they're going to grow, but, you know, it depends. Um, yeah, and some of them, the other thing that we tell people, too, is some of these, um, there's a few where, like, your support person um, can be signed on at, at a lesser monthly rate or all those kind of things. So it's something to look at what your actual monthly bill is going to be. Right. Something we haven't talked about is, it, we've alluded to it several times. Is just is that question of support, which is a very important factor in evaluating these yes. companies. And I don't think we've talked about it, but it probably goes without saying. But you want to find out what kind of support they offer, what kind of training they offer, uh, and uh, you know when it's available, and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and they do differ in in that sense. So that's an important thing to check out. Excellent point. Um, so, do you think an attorney should consider subscribing to a full practice management software? platform, even if they only need time in billing. Um, and I'm asking this just if maybe later down the road, they want to integrate client files. Um, maybe they're not at that point, but they want to. So do you think right at the beginning, just go ahead and, and get the whole package? I think it makes sense to go right from the beginning to get the whole package. And I think what, what they would find out is even if they think they're not going to use the whole package, they will start using the whole package. Probably the greatest reluctance might be for some who to move into the uh, whatever, if, if they get one like Cosmolex that has an integrated uh, accounting, they might be slower to start using that because, as you said earlier, they're married to their QuickBooks. Uh, but, but you know, a, a Cosmolex has a fantastic both both uh, uh, business and, and trust accounting program uh, and you know QuickBooks is as nice as QuickBooks is is not designed for legal and it's certainly yeah. not designed Let's for put trust that in accounting. Bold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So something like a Cosmolex uh, or uh, you know my case, uh, I mean they all most of them all have a, a pretty good uh, uh, accounting program uh, at, at this at this point. Um, so. Uh, uh, I, I, I think that, yeah, I think that what's going to happen one, once you start to see how seamlessly you can tie together the, the different pieces of your practice by using one of these platforms, you're going to start to use all of those different features, uh, not just time and billing, uh, but uh, it, the, the contact management, the document management uh, and, and uh, all the other facets of it. Yeah, and I think there's so many people who don't realize how much can be automated. That The document production, once you can save the templates in there, and there's all different versions of that. And like you said, if it's geared specifically to your area um, of practice and the never missing um, deadlines because you can put in uh, the you know, docketing that, you know, where it'll calculate all those dates for you when you enter the trigger date. There's so many things that you can do, but you have to use them for it to benefit you. So I think that that's, it's an important, like use all of these features. You don't have to at the beginning, but be aware of them. So. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, so I, as we were coming up here, got an excellent um, email from um, one of their blasts. So for me, the experts in this area are you and then Sharon Nelson and John Simic. <laughs> they <laughs> like at Sensei Enterprises, I, I, I do not miss if you are a speaker or if they are a speaker. So they just sent out this whole thing about dark web access and what attorneys should be because there's a bunch of um, companies out there saying, pay us every month and we'll scan the dark web for you or, you know, those kind of things. So can you, can you just comment on that, um, 
because it, it is something that attorneys, I'm sure that they're aware of, but uh, you know, we don't want you to get dragged into something that's not worthwhile. So what about a monitoring service or, or a scam? Because they're kind of different things. Well, I saw there, I actually saw that same uh, email from them and I follow them uh, as religiously as you do. Uh, and, and they are, they are uh, cybersecurity experts in, in ways that I certainly am not. Um, I mean, my sense is that uh, for a solo small firm, uh, you're, you're not going to have to pay for a service to scan the dark web. I, uh, I think maybe as you get into a slightly larger firm, uh, that may start to make more sense. I, I think the, 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 the more important uh, concern is to make sure your client files don't don't end up in the dark <laughs> web uh and and uh if they do uh you know the fact that you've had a scanning service uh isn't going to uh do much for you because you're probably going to be finding out anyway i mean what what that's going to mean is that uh somebody has come in and uh you know uh hijacked your uh client files in some way and is using a, a ransomware uh, attack to uh, lock down your files. I mean, what, you know, so what happens in a ransomware attack is they, they get access to your files and they lock down your computer until you're willing to pay some amount of money, uh, apparently still in Bitcoin, although I don't know who wants Bitcoin anymore. <laughs> um, but, um, and and if you don't pay the ransom, they threaten to start posting your some of your client files, uh, uh, you know, to to prove to you that they have them in in, in effect, and to kind of embarrass you into uh, into uh, complying with their demands. And and they do post them on the dark web, but you're going to know about it when it happens. Uh, <laughs> and I think the more important thing is to make sure that doesn't happen in the first place. And that means really exercising some caution about, you know, email security and, and data security in, in your law office. Uh, and and that's, where, that's where you need Sharon and John to come in and uh, tell you exactly what to do. Uh, Absolutely. But, but the, the weakest link in, in all of that is always the, the individual employee who uh, opens the wrong email or clicks on the wrong executable file in an email. And, yeah, uh, we've, so, done, uh, we've done whole episodes about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you went out, you got cybersecurity insurance and you got the program and then, oh, somebody clicked on the link because it looked real from, yeah. Or even it, downloading the pictures is something <laughs> yeah. I've learned too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah. We, no, that could, we could talk about that for hours, but I just wanted to bring that up if people are aware of that. Because, you know, you can kind of be, you almost become paranoid. So yeah, like have, make sure you actually have a passcode on your laptop and yeah. um, those kind of things. Yeah, okay. you should be paranoid. But I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's difficult. I, I interviewed uh, Alvin Tejimulia, who's the chief chief technology officer at NetDocuments until just the end of the year, a couple of years ago. But I, he he was talking uh, glowingly about all the security measures that NetDocuments has in place. But you know, even he said, you know, when you get down to that level of the individual employee, they, they are the weak link. And, and sometimes it's just nothing you can do about that. And unfortunately, that's the case. I love the idea, though, of the companies that come in and test your employees. And so they send out those. So you're not really being harmed. But yeah. it's like I, I've said back when I was a law firm administrator, I was just going to put a giant sticker on every computer in the office that said, don't click that link. Like yeah. just huge. <laughs> yeah. There was nothing else I could do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, well, tell us what are some new products or emerging technologies that you're excited about? I mean, I hate to say it, but 
the whole GPT thing we're all getting sick of hearing about, maybe. Uh, I mean, just over the last couple of weeks, this uh, chat GPT and GPT 3.5, this whole sort of new wave of artificial intelligence, um, it it is going to change law practice in, in significant ways, in ways that we don't quite know yet, I think. Uh, I, I've been privy to being able to preview a, a couple of products that are going to be coming out this year in 2023 that uh, have really kind of scary capabilities in terms of their ability to perform perform legal work, um, work that lawyers uh, would traditionally do. And, and in, the, in the cases of the products I've seen, the developers have been very clear to say, we're not viewing these as replacements for lawyers, but as supplements to lawyers. Uh, and we've, we've heard that before about AI. But you have to wonder uh, how far uh, how far down the road it gets before they start to be replacements for lawyers. Um, I just, uh, as America, my own on my own podcast, uh, which we just I just posted an episode this week on uh, Chat GPT or rather GPT three point five taking the bar exam. You may have read about oh. that study that went <laughs> out this week. But uh, these two uh, two scientists and researchers had uh, GPT three point five take the bar exam. And uh, it didn't pass entirely, uh, but it did pass uh, a couple of the key subjects like evidence and I think civil procedure um, and was close to passing. And, and, but this was an, you know, what they call an untrained uh, version of GPT. So it wasn't in any way trained specifically on legal matters. And if, if I mean, their, their speculation was had they trained it even a little bit, in law that it probably would have passed. And, and certainly by the next version of GPT, it, it will pass. Um, and, and there, I mean, the, to them, the significance of that wasn't so much that it's, that it's passing the bar, but that it's understanding legal concepts and legal language. And if it can understand legal language in that context, what are the implications for it understanding uh, and working with legal language in other contexts like drafting documents or performing legal research or even just answering legal questions just, you know directly so it's going to be an interesting year i think yeah and it's some of our listeners have no idea what you're talking about right now and like fortunately um in our Jamie and I are both in practice management advisors of America uh, uh, with um, Catherine Sanders reach. And so she um, just recently in Slack chat said she told the GPT chat to write her a letter for a specific topic. Um, and I'm not going to go into that, what that was, but she said it was as good as if she'd written it herself and she posted the results. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it hit all the notes um, for exactly what you would want. So um, can you just like, for people that have never heard of this, just real, like just at a basic level, tell us what it does. Yeah. I mean, this is just a, 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 the most currently advanced version of artificial intelligence that's out there. Uh, and it's, um, trained against, uh, what's called a large language model, LLM, as they talk about it. And it's what, what basically all that means is they've just downloaded a whole bunch of stuff off of like Wikipedia and Reddit and, and the internet in general, uh, for, for training this artificial intelligence. I mean, artificial intelligence always has to train against a data set of some kind, but here they're just basically taking all, all available text off the internet and downloading it and, and training this AI against it. Uh, and uh, 
so GPT 3.5 is the sort of current version of this AI model. It's been developed by a company called OpenAI, which I think the news this morning was saying Microsoft is looking to do, invest ah. millions and billions in, into this company to incorporate it into uh, Office and, and Bing and other things. Um, but uh, the what, what's got everybody talking lately has been this chat GPT interface, which is sort of a chat bot that you can just go to this website and and, and enter a question and it'll give you an answer or or you can say you know write write a letter about this as, as Catherine did or uh you know whatever else um and uh, uh it's it's uncanny in its ability to emulate uh, human language and and come up with responses that make sense to the human ear uh and uh Again, this is trained against a, a sort of this broad general language model, but you can further fine tune the training against legal models, for example. That's the, the products mm -hmm. that I alluded to earlier that I'm seeing. They're kind of taking this technology and training them against legal materials um, so that uh, you can say, draft me a non-compete agreement for uh, an employee who will be uh, whose name is this and will be working for this company, whatever, as, as much as specific as you can get in your query, it helps, but you'll end up with a quite viable uh, non-compete agreement uh, that's probably as good as uh, a lot of lawyers can draft themselves. Yeah, it's it's impressive and somewhat scary. It is, yeah. scary. Very scary. It is, it is very scary. I mean, the scary part is when, you know, it's funny because I was just listening to a, a, a talk show driving into my office this morning about this. And, and they were saying, you know, the scary part is is when when you're not able to separate what a computer did and what a human did. Uh, and right. and that's that day is is maybe here already, if not soon, soon down the road. Yeah. Well, um, I'd like to ask you this question because this is one that we are, are, I've been getting quite a bit, and that is um, net documents acquiring World Docs. Um, and so, for those not familiar with World Docs, it's one of the oldest um, document management systems. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? And um, part of my question also with that is, some people are they're saying, "I'm not really, I don't, I don't think I want." to move to World Docs. Do you have any other um, recommendations for software that is comparable um, if people are not interested in that? You mean not move to net documents? Or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I think, I, I mean, I am, I have the bias of, of, of thinking the cloud is a good thing. Uh, and uh, even though World Docs had a a, a cloud version. Uh, it was, you know, traditionally an on-premises uh, document management system, and it was a very good one in a lot of ways. But but still a legacy software and, and a dated software, uh, and even its cloud version, you know, suffered from that that uh, the fact that it was not uh, not a fully modern uh, piece of software, and the net documents has already, you know, I think some people, I think, tend to think of it as, as primarily serving uh, larger firms. But in fact, it, it's had a very established uh, customer base in, in, in smaller firms as well. Uh, and uh, so this, this, you know, gives it an even stronger base in, in that market because WorldDocs is more, uh, you know, small to medium uh, firms. 
I think this is a really good thing uh, for, for customers of World Docs because I, I think they will get moved to the Net Documents cloud. And I think they're going to find that that's a much better and more modern uh, interface for them. Much more, probably much more secure. I, I don't know a whole lot about the World Docs cloud security. Uh, but, uh, you know, Net Documents is, is probably one of the most secure document management platforms in, in the world. Uh, and uh, it's, it is trusted by any number of uh, well-established uh, law firms and, and corporate legal departments and people who have the resources to understand uh, these security issues. Um, and with net documents, you get that advantage that I was talking about before with, say, a Clio, which is it, it has this whole it's, – it's a platform that has this whole kind of app environment, this whole ability to tap into third-party applications that can um, help you uh, with the specific needs of your firm um, – and, uh, you know, and, and they're also building out a lot of their own uh, uh, applications now. I mean, such as document automation. We talked about that before, but now they've got a, a robust uh, uh, document automation capability built right into net documents. So I, I think this is a good thing for anybody who, who's been a World Docs customer. Uh, and uh, like we were saying before with practice management, I think it's the kind of thing where they, if, if they give it a chance, they're going to find... There, there's a lot more features and capabilities there. This is this isn't. We're not just talking about a document storage system or a document repository here. We're talking about right. a robust uh, platform for for managing and working with documents uh, in a in a very modern way. Uh, so, uh, in terms of alternatives to net documents, I mean. <sighs> You know, I I, I think that I, I, there aren't that many in that are specific to legal. I mean, there, there's the the big ones are iManage and, and and Net Documents, and and there are probably a couple of other smaller ones. I mean, the alternatives are more the ones that when you have a, a practice management platform that has its own document management system built into it. But again, that's not ever going to be as robust as a, as a Net Documents is. So. Okay. It goes back to that initial point of you kind of need to assess what your needs are and and uh, and, and go from there. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, if you're just you are doing wills, you know that is probably what overkill. I mean, it just depends on what your practice area. Um, okay. Something else I saw in the news: LastPass uh, had a breach, so it, that's one of the programs that stores your passwords. What is your view on password storage programs? So I don't actually use one (laughs) for myself. I I, I read all these articles that you're supposed to, and it just feels weird to turn it over. Yeah, I I mean, I used one uh, for a while. I was uh, over the until about a year ago. I was I was doing a lot of consulting with a with a a company uh, that required me to use one to access any of their resources. Uh, their websites and whatever else. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I had that experience with it. I know all the security people I talk to say, use one, it makes a lot of sense. I, I don't, I, maybe I'm not the right person to ask. I, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't felt the need. I, I do take advantage of, of uh, you know, the Chrome browser's ability to generate, and, and of course, uh, all the browsers do this now, to kind of generate a really strong uh, password. Uh, and I use that facility. And, and 
Uh, I don't kind of you know, you know use one, two, three, four or whatever. Uh, right. But uh, but I haven't been using uh, anything like a LastPass. I really like two-factor authentication. I mean, that makes right. me feel like, especially you know, my bank, the big ones, where like if you have to. You know, unless you have my password and you have my phone and you have, I mean, that feels, um, it feels real. Like I didn't turn anything over and I am putting another layer of security on things. Yeah. So. Yep. Okay. What about email encryption platforms? Um, if, if they don't have that through their practice management, like, cause some of those will actually manage your email too. Is it worth to, uh, you know, a solo small firm, should they be looking at email encryption platforms? You know, of course, it you can encrypt email right in Outlook if you're using Outlook, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it, it's a little bit cumbersome in Outlook. Honestly, I, I don't know why Outlook hasn't made it easier. It's not it's not all that hard, but it, it it's it's almost invisible that it's there, and and you have to kind of uh, set up uh, your security certificate and all of that. But it is right there in Outlook. Um, but uh, there are. Various uh, uh, add-ins for Outlook uh, or even for Gmail or, or whatever else you might be using. Uh, Virtue is one I've written a lot about uh, and used myself over the years. Uh, it just adds a encrypt button uh, in Outlook and makes it really easy to encrypt an email. And it also gives you um, the ability to um, control your email in other ways, such as uh, setting an email to expire after a certain time. Uh, or, uh, you know, allowing you to encrypt just the attachment, but not the email or, or making sure both the text of the email and the attachment are encrypted because sometimes encryption programs are just encrypting the attachment, um, and it, or, or things like preventing it from being forwarded on. Um, so, uh, um, Virtue is one, there's a couple of others out there that I'm honestly, I'm blanking on the names of them right now, but that's one I've used and, and liked okay. and found very easy to work with. And this is the part where I interject and put my PMA hat back on. Please <laughs> don't be using free Gmail for your platform. Don't do that. And the other thing is, if you are doing something that requires a lot of financial documents that you're requesting from your clients, like you're in family law or anything, just the personal identifiable information. This is when you probably need a client portal, which is built into practice management software. And like we say that over and over, but I, I know that people are still out there just, you know, shooting all of that, their tax returns and their financial statements. And so that's exactly what the portal is for. So, um, exactly. Just, just throwing that out there. Exactly. I think people think of a portal often as just a, a, a vehicle for making payments or sending invoices mm -hmm. or something, but that's probably the most secure way you're going to be able to send documents back and forth and messages back and forth with the client. Yeah. And so a few months ago, we had a major hurricane hit the Tampa area and we had a ton of calls come in um, from attorneys saying, I have all these paper files or, you know, a lot of them were ruined with the flooding, but some people were, they didn't have that problem, but now they're like, I need to move all of this to a cloud-based solution. So do you have um, just maybe some recommendations on user-friendly software programs that if someone's been primarily using paper, that they, it's an easy transition, I guess. So it's, they just feel overwhelmed by even thinking about taking all that paper and then moving it into software. 
Boy, I don't, that's a tough one. Uh, you, mean, uh, yeah. you mean for actually converting that paper into digital format? And, and yeah, that's a tough one for us too. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe more, more hardware, which is, uh, you know, I have one of those, uh, um, the, the scanner, uh, blank, <laughs> what's the, the name of the scanner that, that, uh, the tiny little bar scanner that just sits on your desk. I have that too. Desk. Yes. I know exactly um, what you're talking about. <laughs> Why am I blanking oh. on the name of the company that has it? Uh, this is embarrassing. But, we'll uh, add it in. We'll add in a link at the end. I have yeah, one of those. Yeah, yeah. I love them too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think investing in a really good scanner uh, is, is probably... Uh, is it ScanSnap? ScanSnap. Thank you. It is ScanSnap. And ScanSnap has several different versions of, of scanners from a high-speed high multi-document uh, scanner down to this sort of one sheet at a time thing that sits on your desk. Or then they have that... Uh, another one that came out about a year or so ago that uh, a little bit bigger that sits on your desk but can handle, you know, I forget, 10, 20 pages at a time or something like that, but also folds up into a tiny little platform. Uh, for me, that's my secret to staying paperless is I, I just, when something comes in, I just run it through the scanner right away if I get paper. I don't get that much paper anymore, thank, thankfully. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I do actually, by the way, practice, still practice law and I am a solo, but most of my law practice is, uh, is happens digitally and I, I don't get a lot of paper, but when it comes I didn't in, think I I mean, it's, yeah, 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 it's, it's once you get on the, like I go way back, I, th I think I've been in the legal world since 2001. Um, and so I was never going to give up my paper files and now all my desk drawers I just use for, you know, candy, any bacterial hand wipes. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have any files in there. Um, but yeah, if you if you're dealing with tons and tons of, of paper files, I tell them um, hire some interns to go through, and if they're older than the data, you know the retention rules for the Florida bar, uh, shred them and but get someone to scan all of those in. That's it. But like, and I love it. It, it almost feels very Florida specific when we talk about um, the hurricanes. But then with COVID, everybody suddenly had to be remote. So I think that was a jolt to a lot of people's systems. Um, so what technology tools should firms invest in to successfully transition to working remotely? Because now that, I mean, I'm shocked at how many of my meetings never went back to in-person, even though we're all on the same campus. Um, so what, what do you like for, what are you using e-signature, video conferencing, any of those kind of things? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, I, I think one of the just to kind of go back to the original point is if you have a good practice management platform, that's going to that's going to help you with <laughs> yeah. a, a whole lot of, of, of operating hybrid or, or virtual. Um, I, uh, something we, we haven't talked about yet uh, that uh, I think is critical to all of this is, is uh, electronic payments. Uh, yes. And one impact of the uh, pandemic has been this kind of surge in adoption of electronic payments among smaller firms. Uh, we, we, we all remember uh, lawyers not all that long ago, you know, sending out paper invoices and, and making their clients write paper checks and put them in the mail. Uh, and uh, nobody pays that way for anything anymore. And clients certainly don't want to have to pay for legal services that way. Um, and so just about all of the practice management platforms now either have directly right. their own payment uh, processing capability or they're integrating with a, a law pay or, or one of the other ones out there. Uh, so I, I think that's really important technology to have. In terms of video conferencing, I, I like Zoom. I use Google Meet a lot as well, but uh, 
I maintain a, a paid Zoom account and I, I use it for a lot of, I, I'm on it all the time. Uh, I, I've set up uh, the ability for somebody to just click on a, a link in an email and set up a, a Zoom meeting with me uh, on my calendar. It just makes it nice and easy. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, they're, they're I don't, it, it, Zoom is Zoom is another company that's very much profited from the pandemic, but uh, in a good way. I mean, they they've refined their their product in a lot of ways, and and uh, it, it's great for for meetings. Uh, you know, if you're doing if you're a lawyer who's doing more online depositions or that sort of thing, then you certainly should explore some of the platforms out there that are specifically formulated for for that purpose. Um, that uh, allow you to get real-time transcription of, uh, you know, allow you to have multiple people sitting in watching a deposition uh, and allow you to control exhibits and that sort of thing. Um, Zoom isn't the best for, for say, depositions or, or online hearings, but a lot of people use it for that as well. E-signing, DocuSign, can't be DocuSign. Um, so what else? Uh, that's about it, I guess. And a lot of I'm 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 impressed that a lot of the practice management software are starting to build some of these things in, so you don't have to go hunt it down. So because the more that can just be in one place, the better off you are. Um, but not traveling, like if the fact that you can do your hearings, your depositions, all of the client consults, um, you have more time to bill. Yay! Right, <laughs> right, exactly. That's a good thing. Um, so I've been reading a lot about um, virtual assistants and um, there's so many warnings about like, don't use these, you know, but at first when they came out, it seemed like the perfect solution. You know, you could just talk to this virtual assistant and it would help you with all of your tasks. And now, you know, we're kind of backtracking on that. So what are, what are your thoughts on um, virtual assistants? Well, again, I think this is why uh, I've tr I tried some of the virtual assistants in the past. You're, you're talking about the purely software versions of virtual assistants, mm -hmm. not not like a virtual not receptionist a, not a or remote something, human. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tried a couple of those in the past with and didn't find them all that helpful. I, again, I think we are now at a point with this chat GPT that that's going to change everything, even for virtual assistants. Um, uh, I was actually just talking to somebody yesterday. Um, there's, there's a company out there called Lawdroid. You, you may have heard of them. They help they help uh, mostly solo and small firms uh, develop um, uh, chatbots and, and that sort of thing. They have a, a, a platform for kind of make your own chatbot for your law practice. Uh, but they are. They have just released a product that they uh, are really only in sort of a still in kind of a beta, but it's it's essentially a virtual assistant. I think they're calling it uh, law. I forget what they're calling it now, uh, but it's um, it's basically that it's <laughs> it's a a chat GPT version of a legal assistant where you can say. Okay. Um, it, Tell me quickly what's the what's the best case on this kind of a matter, um, and uh, it'll just give you an answer. Um, wow. uh, Copilot, that's what they're calling it, Lawdroid Copilot. Okay. Um, okay. Or has, I've got the you know I'm going to upload a contract, prepare a summary of this contract that I can send to my client. Uh, it'll do that. 
and and it's even he's even added a button on it for something like what did he call it? Something like I'm feeling lonely <laughs> or, 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 or just talk to me. I think maybe the button said, so it was like you, he showed me an example of somebody could just kind of, uh, enter, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm feeling overwhelmed today. Uh, and it will, it will, you can have a conversation with it and talk about how you're feeling and talk about your emotions. Wow. <laughs> so wow. it's it's kind of a it's it's a little bit fun, but a little bit cool and a little bit scary also. Uh, and that's just come up. That's a real thing. Huh. Now, so. I'm all for uh, anything that helps mental health with the yeah. attorneys. So that's yeah, yeah. Whether I, you know, I, I'm whether having a conversation with a chatbot is the best way to to mental health. I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm not sure about that yet. But but it was funny to see. Yeah, we'll see. They'll they'll write you stories. Like if you have to come up with bedtime stories for your, you can literally say, "Write me a story about a child that lived," and and it'll it'll produce these beautiful, you know, like it's. So I I guess authors have to be concerned as well. It's yeah, impressive, right? The the one bot I will say the one bot I do use all the time, which is not a not a virtual assistant so much, but uh, is called uh, Fireflies. It's it's a uh, AI transcription service, and it uh -huh. joins all my meetings automatically. Uh, oh. If I have a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting or whatever else on my calendar, it joins the meeting. And at the end of the meeting, it gives me a transcription of the meeting. Oh, oh that's nice. That is nice. Thank yeah. you for that. You are such a wealth of uh, <laughs> <laughs> anything on legal technology. Tell us briefly, how do you keep up with all the legal trends? What are you subscribing to? Like if somebody is really interested in this, what are some things that they should be um, tuned into? Oh, it is so hard to... <laughs> <laughs> it is so hard, honestly. I mean, and I, you know, I do this sort of for a living, partly. I mean, I, you know, you don't get rich blogging, but uh, uh, I, I, I find it harder and harder and harder to keep up. So I don't know how other people do it. Um, but I, so what do I, what do I do? I mean, I subscribe to a bunch of whole, whole bunch of blogs uh, uh, that are out there. Uh, other people who are writing about this, this stuff. Uh, there's uh couple of the Pinhawk newsletters. Uh, I don't know if you see any of those. There's one on legal technology. There's one uh, for law librarians that are that are very good. Uh, the uh, tried and true uh, techno lawyer newsletter that's been around for a long time uh, uh, has some has some good options for keeping up with tech. But you know, I'm reading. Uh, I, I I still use RSS feeds, which a lot of people don't even use anymore. Oh, and I've, yeah. I've, I use a RSS reader called Feedly, and I've got, you know, legal tech news and uh, uh, Reuters uh, tech news feed now. And everybody's covering tech suddenly. Nobody was covering it a couple of years ago. Uh, and just blogs like Legal IT Insider out of uh, the UK. Uh, uh, Gino Grady here in the US is a law librarian, but she covers a lot of different kinds of tech. So <laughs> I think I that's can, a yeah. lot. We're, we're going to put up links yes. to your blog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you can filter it all for yeah. us, but yeah. we, we really appreciate it. Um, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you so much, Bob Ambrosi, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Bob, if our listeners would like to learn more about your publications, blog and podcasts, where can they go to find them? You can find all of it at it's at lawnext.com. And we also have my you can find my blog and my podcast there. And then I have this directory of legal tech products, which you can find at directory.lawnext.com. Perfect. Okay. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar's Legal Fuel Podcast, brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbury. And I'm Jamie Moore. Until next time, thank you for listening. 
If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bars podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bars Practice Resource Center Legal Fuel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.